0: Thinking about what our bodies are capable of beyond whether or not someone thinks we're pretty or cute or handsome, and that we're capable of so much, right? The way that we can move through the world, the way that we can read and learn. We talk about building bridges and skyscrapers. I mean, the possibilities of what we're all able to do is so much more than our physical appearance.
1: You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast where we talk about diet culture, fat phobia, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Soul Smith. I also write the Burnt Toast newsletter. Today, I am chatting with Shelly Annan and Nomi Ellenson. Shelly is an immigration rights attorney, and Nomi is a boudoir photographer. And together, they have written the most beautiful picture book called I Love My Body Because. We get into the importance of representation in Kidla, the way publishing is slowly too slowly but starting to change in this direction and they tell some really delightful stories about how kids and parents are responding to their work so here are shelly and Nomi, but first a quick break if today's conversation resonates with you and you like having a space to learn more about anti-fat bias and diet culture without shitty diet ads all around you i would love for you to do something to support the show You can do one thing on this list, no things on this list, all things on the list and get a gold star. So first, subscribe for free in your podcast player. Second, leave us a rating and review. This really, really helps people find the podcast. Third, consider a paid subscription to the Burk Toast newsletter. It's just $5 a month or 50 for the year. You can join at virginiasoulsmith.substack.com. That link is also in your episode description. And number four, for extra credit, pre-order my book. It's called Fat Talk, Parenting in the Age of Diet Culture. It comes out from Henry Hull on April 25th, 2023. You can go ahead and order it right now by clicking the links in your episode description or asking for it anywhere you buy books. If you want a signed copy, make sure you pre-order from my local independent bookstore, Split Rock Books. They will ship anywhere in the United States. You can also ask your library to pre-order it and put it on hold when they do. Whatever you do, thank you so much for listening and supporting independent anti-diet journalism. Hi, you two. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. So why don't you each introduce yourselves, say your names and who you are so that they can keep track of voices. Sure. Um, I'm Shelly Anand. I
0: am a picture book author. I'm an attorney. I'm an immigrant and worker rights attorney. I'm mother of two, and I'm really excited to be on your show.
2: Hi, I'm Nomi. Um, I'm a photographer and I specialize in a genre called boudoir photography, which is about empowering women in their bodies, connecting with that inner goddess and all of that good stuff. And I have a photo studio in Brooklyn and I'm also expanding. I live in Montego Bay, Jamaica, and I'm starting to do photo shoots here as well. We
1: are here to talk about your wonderful book, I Love My Body, because it is very beloved in my house already, I can tell you. Yeah, I want to hear the story. How does a boudoir photographer and an immigrant rights attorney decide to write a body positive kids book?
2: So it seems so random, but it really was such a moment of flow. Shelly and my sister are best friends from Wellesley College. And when Shelly's first book came out, we were hanging out at the beach. And as a boudoir photographer, I'm constantly talking to women about their bodies and how they feel about themselves, their sensuality. And so much of what I say to them is what you would say to that inner child in all of us. And it starts so young. And I said to Shelly, what are your thoughts about doing a body awareness children's book? And she, was automatically, let's do this. And it just all felt like it was in the stars and meant to be. So that's the short version <laughs> of how it all happened.
1: And Shelley, this is your second picture book. I would also love to hear how you came to do Lakshmi's Mooch and you know how you see these books as connected.
0: Yeah, thank you. Well, I didn't kind of set out to become a picture book writer. I mean, I've always loved stories and storytelling and reading, but I think becoming a parent and being a Brown mom in the deep South, raising biracial children, my kids are half Indian and my husband's a white man from Wisconsin. So we You know, we're looking for books that were important to us, that instilled values that were important to us. So children's literature, you know, became something that I got interested in as a mom. And I was on maternity leave with my second when a friend of mine from college who lives close by, who's also South Asian, also raising, you know, hairy Desi kids in the South, called me and said that her daughter had been teased in school for having a mustache and she was only six years old. And... (sighs) It just was a very poignant moment for me. I had given birth to my own daughter who inherited my hairiness. And it just brought back a flood of memories of, you know, body hair removal and being teased myself as a young brown, hairy child and really thinking that I wanted it to be different for my children and for all children, that they not go through what we went through. And it really be a choice that, you know, you don't feel this pressure to Wax or bleach or thread a part of your body off because other children or other people are teasing you, or that's what Western society is kind of pushing on you. And so that's where the idea for Lakshmi's Much came. I wanted to create a story about a young girl discovering her body hair and hair removal not being the answer. And it was a really fun process. I really cared about getting this message out and creating a book that I wish I had growing up. And that kind of got me on this journey. And I started reading a bunch of kidlet and, you know, joining writers groups and things like that. And that's how Lakshmi was born. And so when Nomi was like, I'd love to work with you on a book about body positivity, it felt like a natural next project for me because they are very much connected. Lakshmi's as much is very specific about body hair positivity. But, you know, at the time when Nomi and I were talking about this, There weren't a lot of picture books out there on body positivity and specifically fighting fat phobia and dispelling the word fat being a pejorative word or being something negative and wanting to kind of address that at the beginning. And like Nomi said, it was a very different process than writing Lakshmi's. much, you know, Lakshmi, it was my first picture book and I had more of a narrative and this is more of like an ode to your body. And all the amazing things our bodies can do, not just physically, but, you know, intellectually that we can read and we can learn and we can take care of ourselves. And so it really just poured out of us. And it was a very, very healing. Both books were a very healing experience for me.
1: Oh, I bet. I bet. I work particularly in the anti-fat bias space. And the body hair conversation does not come up nearly enough. I was thinking the other day, my kids have, because I'm their mom and we talk about this stuff all the time, they have really good, fat, positive vocabulary, but they've seen me shave my legs or tweeze my chin hairs and been like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I don't have the narrative I need for this piece. Like, this is another part I need to work on. And I'm always just kind of like, it's a choice. You don't have to do it. But I feel very sort of panicked in the moment, like realizing I haven't thought about it. So I love that you are giving us language and giving us a story that we can use to have these conversations, not just when you're like being barged in on, when you're in the shower, when I, I don't do my best parenting, you know. Um. <laughs> but I mean, those are
0: those are the moments when when our children come to us in those moments in the shower or on the exactly. toilet or whatever. <laughs>
1: You're like, oh, okay, yes,
0: let's do this. Let's now. have this Great. conversation, yeah, absolutely. No, my kids, my I mean, Uma now asked me, my daughter, why are you shaving your legs? Because now, because of this narrative that you know was created when she was born around being proud of your body hair, she mm-hmm. is kind of like, What are you doing? Why are you removing yeah, your wait. body hair? You don't have to do that. I'm like, Okay, Uma. Thank you.
1: So cool to see that happening. I mean, it sounds like this was like a real mind meld, like beautiful process of doing the book together. Um, How did you each think about what bodies you wanted
2: to represent, what aspects of bodies you wanted to represent? For what we were thinking about with different bodies is anchoring in the gratitude for what our body enables us to do that we often take for granted. And anchoring in that respect and that love and that feeling of celebration because it is such a gift. And often everything in the outside world can make us feel negative towards various aspects of ourselves. And so creating vocabulary around what's positive and what feels good enables a new kind of conversation to take place and we would you know receive sketches from Erica who was our illustrator and was amazing and she really did an amazing job and we would be like we would love to see this representation and that representation and just making sure that it was visually aligned with what we felt in our hearts And while we were writing it, we were definitely thinking about the visuals of the words. Like for us, it was very intertwined. Mm. So we wanted the words to be meaningful in the words, but also for it to evoke a certain kind of imagery in the mind. And I think she really allowed that kind of both like realist and fantasy vibe to move through.
0: We wanted to look and see what was out there about bodies. And, you know, two books in particular really inspired me. They're not children's books, but they both address children and perception of bodies. The first book was Roxane Gay's book, Hunger. And something that stood out to me in that book was her talking about children looking at her and pointing at her and being like, oh my God, that woman's so fat. And being horrified, thinking of myself as a parent and not ever wanting my children to ever do that to another human being. And then Sonia Renee Taylor's book, The Body is Not an Apology. She talks about children having this sense of joy and wonder and curiosity about their bodies that goes away and is eroded by messages from the culture and about, you know, having to look a certain way, having to be skinny and light skinned and blue eyed and blonde hair, all of that. And I, unfortunately, like so many people grew up in a fat phobic household in a fat phobic culture. It's actually something I'm starting to think about that's specific to South Asian culture. We have a word for fat moti and it's pejorative. And it was a word that I feared. It was so negative for me. And I think having my children and the pressure that postpartum people feel to have their bodies somehow go back to the way they were before giving birth to other human beings. Because that's a
1: realistic goal.
0: I mean, that had a huge impact on me and having my kids and not wanting them to go through what I went through in terms of being so mean and self-critical to myself. And so there were things in this book that were really important to me, like talking about stretch marks, right? And how Mm they're tiger stripes. I love that. Those were things that were really important for me because, you know, I have these stretch marks now and I see them as a sign of my strength that I carried two human bodies in my body. And, you know, I think children are taught that there are things about their body they should be ashamed of when, in fact, they're quite beautiful and they should be celebrated. And so those were things we were thinking about for sure. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, my own experience, even though this is a children's book, it's very much a book for everyone, not just children. You know, it's, it's a book Absolutely. of, like Nomi said, of gratitude. And this phrase, I love my body because, can be a gratitude practice and a reminder when you're feeling unsure or insecure or whatever, just reminding yourself, I love my body because it helps me move through the world. And, you know, it helped me start that practice, writing this book, creating that gratitude practice for myself.
1: And I'm just thinking, too, as you're talking about these inspirations, you know, the wonder that Sonia Rolene Taylor talks about that comes so naturally to kids. It's so interesting because, you know, little kids like three or four year olds before the world descends on them in this way don't feel like they have to justify these things about their bodies, right? Like, they don't feel like they have to give a reason for having stretch marks. It can just be you're growing or, you know, this is your body. And then we as adults have learned this other language of needing to say, like, well, we, you know, the stretch marks are because of pregnancy. Is like some of my stretch marks are just fat, you know? And, and I love... This idea of just starting in this place of gratitude and kind of meeting kids where hopefully at least some of the kids reading this book still are in this prayer place of, like, of course I love my body. Why wouldn't I love my body? And that's so powerful to think about how, you know, at some point, however fleetingly, we all started there.
0: You're exactly right. All of us have signs of our growth and our development. And we're told that they have to look, you know, it has to look a certain way. Like for some reason, having a much or a mustache at two or three is okay, but at 12 and 13, it's not. And, yeah. you know, I went through my mother putting bleach on my skin and trying to turn my hair blonde. So unnatural. And I think if she it was her way of protecting me, but, you know, I think it has to be a choice and it has to be something that a child, you know, a person wants to do versus this is what I have to do to make myself acceptable or presentable.
1: Because it's not putting the blame on the culture. It's not saying like this is a choice you can make. It might make things easier sometimes. Really what's messed up is the idea that your body is in any way not okay, and that this is something, you know, instead you're feeling like, oh, I have to be fixed and covered up in some way.
2: And also if it's you know, these neural pathways that are being highly developed at that moment and building up that muscle memory of feeling good about their bodies when they're met with that resistance Mm -hmm. of, you know, that negative narrative, they've built that internal muscle that much more where they're able to actually think about it for themselves rather than just accepting what they've been taught, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, what I really love about the book, because you do expand this idea of body beyond just, you know, physical, you talk about intellectual gifts, you talk about sort of this really holistic way of thinking about the body, is it helps take, I mean, it takes the focus off the
2: aesthetic completely, right? Both of my parents are rabbis, and I grew up with a sense that our external bodies were not the most important thing at all. Not that we were like schlumpy, but it definitely was not about pop culture and whatever the trends were growing up. So that when I started doing fashion photography and I saw that the focus was so based on the external realities, I was like, there's a disparity here. Like, there's a disconnect between the value we place on our external looks, even though there's value to that. It's okay to want to feel good externally. And I think we lose that conversation because we get so stuck in this like fat, skinny, binary convo Mm -hmm. versus like actually, what does it mean to self-care and take pride in this external, in our looks versus this internal that's how we're able to actually live our lives and be connected more to what our internal souls and everything.
1: Shelley, did you want to add something? Growing up as a woman
0: in any culture, but you know, in this culture in particular, there's so much emphasis on having to be beautiful or considered beautiful or being attractive. It's certainly an aspect of South Asian culture as well. That's pretty problematic. And I think, you know, thinking about what our bodies are capable of beyond whether or not someone thinks we're pretty or cute or handsome and that we're capable of so much, right? The way that we can move through the world, the way that we can read and learn. We talk about building bridges and skyscrapers. I mean, the possibilities of what we're all able to do is so much more than our physical appearance. And I think that's definitely important to me. You know, I'm very mindful of You know what we say to especially to girls oh you're so pretty or what's you know the first thing that will come out of someone's Mm -hmm. mouth about a girl versus her intellect versus her
1: capabilities and so i think that was a really important part for us and you also you know have kids using wheelchairs and you're speaking to mobility and on like a lot of different levels which i appreciated
2: we have a child with a hearing
1: aid too that's great I'm curious to talk a little bit, too, about how you feel publishing is doing on this front. I mean, book publishing in general is super white, super not evolved on a lot of these issues. And, you know, definitely as recently as like three or four years ago when parents would ask me for book recommendations, I felt like I had nothing to give them. And now, you know, we have your beautiful book. We have Tyler Fetter. We have Nabella Noor. Definitely in the picture book space, I feel like we are starting to make some progress. I mean, not enough, but, you know, I now have a list of like eight books I can put on the website as opposed to one that was self-published by someone 20 years ago. So, yeah, what do you think is changing?
0: Yeah, I definitely think there's a change. I mean, I think a lot of writers in the social justice space are looking to children's literature as a space to start having these conversations because, that's when ideas and values are formed. And so, you know, we had sold our book and then we saw Tyler Fetter's book and we were so excited that this conversation was getting started and that we were going to be a part of that conversation. And I think, you know, publishing, you know, has been inundated with I mean, there have been studies or reports showing, you know, the percentage of books that feature children of color being solo compared to, you know, picture books about animals talking and things like that. Yes,
1: (laughs) yes. And (laughs) we have more books about snails or something than we do about black kids. like Right, exactly. And so I think more and more,
0: you know, authors, authors of color are, you know, wanting to create narratives that or stories that, you know, children walking into a bookstore can relate and and see themselves on the cover of a book. And then messages that are important for all children to learn in terms of, you know, when I wrote Lakshmi, I wanted something that was going to be empowering for hairy brown girls all over the world. That's what I wanted. Or hairy Mm -hmm. girls generally, And, Mm -hmm. and writing for them about them. And I think more and more authors are wanting to do that and publishers are seeing the value of that. I think we're recognizing as a culture that there's so much unlearning we all have to do from how we were socially conditioned to think about ourselves and about others and the value of starting really early, you know, starting as young as you can with reading Mm -hmm. these books. And it does make a huge difference. I mean, I didn't believe it, but (laughs) when Lakshmi came out, people were saying, oh my gosh, my kid discovered they had leg hair and is really excited, you know? And same thing with I Love My Body because, I mean, Erica's illustrations are phenomenal and kids are seeing themselves in this book. Like, oh, that looks like me and being inquisitive and asking questions. Like maybe they haven't seen someone in a wheelchair before, but then they're seeing it in a picture book and that's an opportunity for you know, caregivers or teachers to have those conversations about the diversity of what bodies look like. I think more is needed. Right. And I think there has to be a point where, you know, there's a book, you know, there's this book, um, Beautifully Me, which is about a South Asian, a Bengali South Asian girl.
1: Yeah, that's Nabla Noor's book, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And There has to be a
0: point that we get to where you see a fat child and the book is not about her fatness or his fatness or her fatness. And it's just about them going trick or treating or just about them playing. Mm -hmm. And I think we have that discussion a lot as authors of color. Like there doesn't always have to be a book about our struggling or us being teased or us having to confront oppression, right? We can just be kids. And so I think that's kind of the future. And that's the next step that we need to get to.
1: Completely agree. I do love Beautifully Made. Again, it's another book that gives great language for the conversations, you know, like that I want to have with my kids. But now I just want to follow that character doing something completely unrelated to how she looks. Any other fun responses you're getting from parents, from kids, you know, when they're seeing the
2: book and seeing themselves? so I have several clients who are teachers who have done their boudoir photography and they brought the book to their classrooms and they've sent me these really adorable drawings of what the children love about their body and having them do kind of a free writing exercise. And Shelly and I are actually in process of developing some curriculum and worksheets to help people who are reading the book to others to have the conversation because it really it's about reading the book but it's really about the discussion that flows from reading it Mm -hmm. and continuing it after you're done turning the final page.
0: So we went to a local library here in Georgia in in Lilburn, and there were a bunch of parents and children there for you know story time and we read the book to the kids and to the families. And at the end, whenever we're reading the book, I mean, even at home, the last phrase is, so what do you love about your body? And we turned that question to the audience. And this boy, he must have been eight or nine years old. He said, I love my body because I'm Black and I'm me. And he was there with his younger siblings. And it was just so, so powerful, like so beautiful. And, you know, his mom was there smiling with pride and, yeah, I mean, that's why we wrote the book.
1: I'm so glad it's finding people. I mean, I definitely want burnt toast listeners to check it out and get it in their family libraries because it's yeah, it's just such a wonderful resource. So we wrap up every episode with our recommendation segment. I call it better for your burnt toast because toast needs better. A little bread humor for everyone. So Shelly, do you want to go first? Sure.
0: So I have a pretty robust, like, mental health self care regimen, which, you know, includes a therapist, a life coach, but I've added in incense. I light incense in the morning and it just kind of helps me relax and set the mood for the day. And I've gotten into crystals as well. And then I recently started going to this local healing arts center. is called Decatur Healing Arts. And there's a woman there who's trained in Reiki and in gong baths, which is like sound baths. And it has been amazing.
1: It has like changed my life. So wait, is a sound bath? I've been confused about sound baths for a long time. So I'm glad you brought this up. Is there water involved or you're... You're bathed in sound. You're bathed in sound. Thank you for clarifying what was obviously a dumb question. <laughs> no,
0: not at all. I mean, I didn't know anything about it, but I was talking to my therapist. I was in a like a difficult space, you know, with my day job and I needed you know, to find release. And she's like, have you, I mean, you're Indian. Have you tried Ayurveda? Have you done any of these things? I'm like, no, I haven't. I've been taking SSRIs for forever.
2: And like. Also a useful tool. They are <laughs> great. Build on. I, yes, you know, definitely but, also a useful yeah, tool. Yeah,
0: SSRIs are great or whatever. You know, I'm very pro, but I, you know, I have to, I, I needed more <laughs> than that. And gong baths, <laughs> incense and crystals have been a great addition to my mental health. Regimen. So I wanted to share
1: those. We are very pro mental health regimens here. Nomi, what about you?
2: So, my new butter on toast situation is I found this journal called the Cycles Journal, which allows you to track your flow with the moon. Oh. And I'm interested in continuing this internal work as a way of empowering women to view the things that maybe have made us feel less than like, oh, getting your period is a negative and being like, actually, how can we harness our flow as a way of um, empowering ourselves to live our best lives, basically. And so it's this journal, it's this woman named Rachel Amber created it. And so you can track where you are in your cycle with the moon and allows there are different ways to kind of check in with how you're feeling what your body's doing and it enables you also to be like okay i know this is when i'm most productive and this is when i need to rest and everything so i'd highly recommend it
1: i love anything that helps people understand our bodies more especially stuff like menstruation which has such a ridiculous taboo Well, my recommendation this week is a gardening recommendation. I don't know if either of you are gardeners. My podcast listeners have to indulge a lot of gardening talks, although I realize I'm talking to someone in Atlanta and Jamaica, so you're totally different gardening zones than me. So this will not be a useful (laughs) tip for you. But in the Northeast, where I am in the Hudson Valley, it is now dahlia season. Dahlias are native to Mexico. They are spectacular, spectacular flower. In the Hudson Valley, we have to, like, plant the tubers in the middle of May, and then you really wait all summer because they have to, like, grow up from, like, just a root, basically. And then they start to bloom in—they start to bloom at the end of July, but they really hit their stride September, October. And it is just something I really need in my fall because I'm someone who— Starts to get anxious about I don't have seasonal depression exactly, but I definitely have like seasonal anxiety and I get anxious about like the coming darker days and the colder weather And so I am not someone who likes like traditional cliched fall things like pumpkin spice and all that, because I'm like, no, it just means the end times are coming. (laughs) (laughs) This is not exciting for me. (laughs) But realizing that I can grow dahlias and still have like really spectacular flowers in my garden at this time of year really helps me. Like now I really look forward to September, October. And even last year, they bloomed into November. So fingers crossed for a late frost this year. They are gorgeous and they are not hard to grow. You can bind the tubers like anywhere and just plant them in depending on where you garden early spring and then, you know, just like let them do their thing. They're pretty foolproof. So that's my recommendation. Yeah. In the South, you could probably even overwinter them in Atlanta. You could leave them in the ground. I bet people grow them year round there because you have to be like zone.
0: Yeah. My husband's gotten really into gardening during the pandemic. Um, yes. Yeah. He has like a whole garden journal and all of it. I'll have to share Ask this. Ask about
1: adding talias. Really satisfying to grow. Well, thank you both for being here. Again, the book is I Love My Body because everyone needs to go get their copy. Tell listeners where else they can follow you both, how we can support your work.
0: Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at Ma Anand Shelley. You can also follow my organization, SOAR Legal Collaborative, which is a nonprofit immigrant and worker rights organization at Legal underscore ATL. And that's the same on Instagram. And then my Instagram is likho Shelly, L-I-K-H-O, likho means to write in Hindi. And so my IG is likho
2: Shelly. And the best way to see what's happening is my Instagram boudoir by Nomi. It's really a place with my photography, but I also talk a lot about mindfulness and getting more in touch with your body. And then also I have another Instagram handle, know me photo with an F. And that's where I also post stuff about the book and just some other things going on in my life. So Instagram's the best way to see what's up.
1: Amazing. We will link to all of that. Thank you both again for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening to Burnt Toast. Once again, if you'd like to support the show, make sure you are subscribed for free in your podcast player. Leave us a rating or tell a friend about this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the Burnt Toast newsletter. You can do a paid subscription for just $5 a month or $50 for the year. That comes with a ton of cool perks, and you keep this an ad in sponsor-free space. Find out more at virginiasoulsmith.substack.com. The Burnt Toast podcast is produced and hosted by me, Virginia SoulSmith. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at v underscore solsman. Our transcripts are edited and formatted by Corinne Fay, who runs at CellTrade Plus, an Instagram account where you can buy and sell plus size clothing. The Burn Toast logo is by Deanna Lowe. Our theme music is by Jeff Bailey and Chris Maxwell, and Tommy Heron is our audio engineer. Thanks for listening and supporting independent anti-diet journalism.